bless you, America. We are still here. We are still a nation. I feel like I have been living in upside down world universe for at least a year now. I mean, this is completely, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just coming to you straight, just straight is how I feel. Cause I'm talking to friends who feel the same way. And maybe nobody wants to really talk about it publicly, but I'm just gonna let loose and I'm just gonna say, I feel like it's it's been totally crazy. And uh, that goes from, you know, everything that's happened over the last three and a half years, the whole Russia hoax, everything that we've investigated and uncovered and things I would have never believed to coronavirus coming, Wuhan, Wuhan virus coming out of China. Um, I don't want anybody to forget where it came from because you it's easy to forget these days where things are coming from. Um, to the 40 million people that had to, to apply for unemployment, uh, the lockdown in America, the idea that the World Health Organization, well, I just don't even know what to believe, what comes out of the mouths of, of that group. And I don't even know what, what, what goes beyond the World Health Organization and the CDC. We've been told, well, these are the two most eminent, prominent you know, uh, medical organizations and uh, the exposure to viruses and pathogens. And I don't know. I just, I don't even know what I'm hearing anymore. I'm like listening to directives from so many different people. And then I'm going out in public, right? Because we're now in phase two in Virginia. I don't know where as you listen to this across the United States, you're all in different phases or different things are happening, different things in Wyoming, different things in Utah, Texas, California. Everybody's doing something different, right? Phase two here means that um, now they can let some people into restaurants at a certain capacity, possibly, but almost everybody's sitting outside, um, and that you have to wear a mask when you go into a place most of the time, but not when you're eating at a restaurant with people next to you. And when you're walking around, people aren't really wearing masks, but I'll, I'll give you an example. I went in, it was in old town, Alexandria. Uh, I was with my husband and my daughter. Nobody was really wearing a mask outside. It's beautiful day, some light wind off the Potomac. Everybody wanted to be outside because I think people are just done being locked down. People are just done with it. They just want to go out. We just want to go out. We just want to be free. And, but we want to be safe. We don't want to harm people. You can see that overall Americans were great people. We don't want to harm each other. We want to do what's right, but we just can't be locked in a house anymore or cooped up away from people. It's we're going stir crazy. So we go out, everybody's walking around. People are happy people, you know, for the most part, Hey, hi, happy. We're all out. People are eating. I go into an ice cream shop with my daughter, which the windows are wide open, doors wide open, nobody outside with the mask on. And I have the mask in my hand, right? So I have the mask in my hand. And I walk in with it in my hand. And a lady, I mean, we're all like six feet apart because it's crazy. It's like you can't even be like next to anyone inside a building. But on the outside, you can be. It's weird. The tables are not six feet apart, really. I mean, people are next to each other. Um, and... I walk in there and the lady's like, oh my gosh, you got to put your mask on. I'm like, oh, okay. And I'm like struggling, I'm putting it on. I'm like, I don't want to be one of those weirdos that isn't like, you know, trying to be helpful to the rest of the planet. I don't want to give anyone anything. And, and then an elderly couple comes in behind me and then they get the same, you know, they don't realize it because all the windows are open and the doors open and they're like 
struggling to find their masks and freaking out because this lady across the counter is is basically kind of yelling at them to put their masks on. But we all don't know why we're, I mean, I know why we're wearing it. It's the hope that it's going to prevent transmission of the disease if we all wear it. The thing is, is that everybody's doing their own thing, right? We don't know when to wear it, when not to wear it, when we're eating, we're not wearing it, but yet the waiters are wearing it. And we all have different kind of masks on. Some of us have scarves. Some of us have old, dirty masks. I've seen that. Um, Oh, by the way, tons of masks. I went hiking up by Great Falls with my husband, and people just dump their masks on the trail in the forest. I mean, it's just littering their masks. It's it's gross, right? Um, And so now we've got masks on the ground, masks in the forest, masks on our faces, dirty masks, bandana masks. Antifa's wearing masks. I don't know. The whole country is all masked up. And then, you know, the Surgeon General comes out. Now, this was the Surgeon General had told us early on, don't buy masks, don't buy them up. We need them for the hospitals. It doesn't really make a difference. But this weekend, then he comes out and he says, hey, guess what? You know, wear the masks. It's, you know, like it's, it's, it's freedom. A mask equals freedom is pretty much what he said crazy but i want to bring up something right now that's really bothering me that's all my personal venting right i've let it out of my system of uh, what's really bothering me are the thousands of protesters we saw in brooklyn right thousands marching in the brooklyn streets for george floyd just go online and look at the pictures right and think about all the people that have been arrested for wanting to open their businesses think about all the people in new york in New York, who have been basically reprimanded and threatened to be arrested for taking their kids to a park with their own children, with their own children, not even close to other people, in their own area, people that have not been allowed to say goodbye to their loved ones who are dying at a hospital. That's the one that gets me. Yeah. Adam, I was just going to come to you and Jenny because I really want to first – Okay, go to you, Adam. Before I go to Jenny, and everybody knows Jenny Terror. She writes at sarahcarter.com. She's phenomenal, and this is Adam Carluccio. He is amazing. He is a producer of this show. He's a tech whiz. And um, and so, Adam, let's, let's talk about this. People in the hospitals that are dying that can't even see their family and families that can't even go to funerals, right? My dad's right? 70 and has diabetes, and so... He's a driving instructor, so I wonder. I worry so much day in and day out because he's somebody who's like, I'm ready to get back to work. And I've had to have some really tough thoughts of, wait a minute, what if he gets sick and you're telling me I would be in a situation where I would, I'm trying to empathize with somebody who's told they're not allowed to say goodbye to their parent, but we're out in the streets, like, I'm, I mean, it's not even the protest, it's just the inconsistencies of what we're being told to do it's it's mind-boggling well, and it's no, making me question they're not, things. Ar- they're not arresting anyone. You had thousands of people in the street in Brooklyn. They've told us that COVID is going to surge back. Now, they being like Dr. Samadhi, who say, no, this is not true. We don't have all the facts. We don't know enough about uh, the, nova- the novel coronavirus, COVID-19. We don't understand enough about this. It doesn't appear to be as virulent. As, as they claim, which is the WHO, World Health Organization, and the CDC. And remember, the World Health Organization came out about a week ago and was saying that they didn't see 
a high transmission. In fact, it was very rare, they said. A transmission from an asymptomatic person. This was the whole reason for wearing the masks, folks. From asymptomatic people, that means people not showing symptoms of the virus that carried the virus to someone else, right? That would be susceptible, an elderly person, somebody who uh, has compromised immune system. The whole reason for us wearing the mask, just so you all know this, is because of the asymptomatic transfer was really that and why we were on lockdown. And then the World Health Organization came out and said, oh, well, we looked at this. It's very rare. Heads exploded, by the way. Heads literally started to explode because how would then the governments of the world explain to their people why they locked them down or in the United States, why 40 million Americans uh, were unemployed, why some businesses have shut down now for good, by the way, why our stock market is rumbling back and forth, going up and down like a crazy roller coaster, right? And why our nation has been turned upside down on its head. So Heads literally exploded when the World Health Organization came out and said this. So then the doctor, which I cannot recall her name right now. I could look it up for you, but I cannot recall. Uh, maybe, Adam, you can look it up for the doctor with the World Health Organization um, that said very rare asymptomatic transmission. Uh, all of a sudden came out several days later and had to retract somewhat of her statement. Now, she didn't really retract it. She just said, oh, I don't want to dismiss the models. Models, not sure, actual name. What was her name, Jenny? Dr. Maria Van Kirkhoff. That's it. Dr. Maria Van Kirkhoff. There you go. And then she had to come back and say, okay, well, the models. Now, models are not the studies. Models are what they guess might happen. Shows that 40%. But we can't, we can't even rely on the models. I'm glad you brought that up, Jenny. I'm glad you were the one that said her name because I didn't go to you. And I do not want to forget you because you have been covering these stories that um, in New York, particularly with the Orthodox Jewish community and what's been happening with Governor Cuomo, as well as Mayor de Blasio and the Orthodox Jewish community is insane. It's like they continually target them. Here we have thousands of people, by the way, in par in Brooklyn on top of each other. A lot of people without masks in what we have been told is the epicenter of coronavirus, right? New York, New York City. Nothing happens to the marchers. They don't stop it. They don't stop it at all. I know it was horrible. It was horrible what happened to George Floyd. It was tragic and horrible. But now I'm thinking about coronavirus and what they've told us and how it's transmissible. So we have to think about that. Jenny, tell the listeners out there, tell everyone what you have uncovered through your stories and investigations, what is happening in New York City and why are they going after the uh, the Orthodox Jewish community? I mean, this is incredible. Right, that's exactly what they're doing. They've made it very clear that they're going after them and now there's been um, lawsuits that are coming about with the frustrations of not only the Jewish community but also um, a number of Catholic priests. Uh, so that tells you something because there's clearly... Uh, a targeting of people of faith that they're not allowed to worship in groups of more than 10 people, which is, you know, very difficult, um, especially in the Jewish community, in very tight-knit communities. You know, we already saw that with a funeral that de Blasio specifically called out um, as, you know, hundreds of Jewish people gathered in the streets to memorialize, um, you know, a respected rabbi's life. 
Um, but you know, apparently that life doesn't matter to him and that's really sad. And I think we're seeing a lot of that now. And we're seeing these lawsuits because you can't explain, you can't allow thousands of people to walk through the streets of Brooklyn and explain to me and tell me that in the epicenter, the place that you said was the worst of the worst, where the virus has spread and killed so many people that that was okay. That that was okay, This, these thousands of people marching, but that for Catholics, and especially for the Jewish Orthodox communities, that they can't practice their religion, they're wearing face masks. They're staying six feet apart. They can't have a funeral. They can't say goodbye to their loved ones. People can't go to a hospital and just say, I love you. Or get right married. Now? Or get married. My whole profession. Or get, well, I mean, can we, I can't have a wedding. But we're, I mean, do you have any idea what goes through my mind when I see the pictures of New York City and Los Angeles who have been so adamant to stay inside? And then like three days ago, it was like three days ago, everyone, now we're all just like roaming the streets. And I still can't work, folks. Well, what's happening? Yeah, that's right. And neither can a lot of Americans. So there have been a lot of Americans that have lost their jobs or whose lives have been turned upside down. So we need to start asking questions. We need to start asking the right questions. And we shouldn't be scared from asking those questions. It shouldn't be like, oh, don't say anything. Just be a good girl and wear your face mask and keep your mouth shut. No, I will do my best to to help stop the spread of any kind of virus. I don't want to see anyone get sick. I don't want to see anyone get hurt. But we need to ask questions because we need to start understanding what's happening here. There is something going on in this nation that we're not getting clear answers for, folks. We don't even know what we're doing half the time. Someone tells us to do what we're doing. It. We're all walking around face masks. I, I'm, but then I see them marching through the streets. We're being told to shut down our businesses. Now we're going through these different phases. Everybody's phase is something different. So we need to start asking the right questions. And the politicians who are doing this need to start answering them. And by the way, our medical professionals need to start answering them. And they need to be on the same page. I don't want to hear five different ideas from five different people with those five different ideas uh, all being implemented at the same time so that I can feel just as confused as I have been feeling for the last three months of my life, which is upside down world. I'm bringing you back to Upside Down World. And by the way, there we do have a guest. We do have a guest. And this is an amazing guest because it's going to go right into everything that we've been talking about here. Because I am sure, as I feel this way, so does uh, Lacey Johnson. He's an entrepreneur. He's an amazing human being. He is running for Congress against Ilhan Omar. Ilhan Omar is the Democrat. Everybody remembers and knows her because she just can't stop telling us as Americans how bad our nation is. That is this is upside down world. Somebody gets elected to the United States Congress. She's a, she was a refugee from Somalia. She's a refugee from Somalia. You know, great African nation, right? So many wonderful people from Somalia have come to the United States and have made a life here wonderful human beings, wonderful people. But here comes Ilhan Omar. She, I mean, she talks about white privilege. Think about the privileges that she's had too. Here, she came here, America opens arms to her. 
She becomes a congressional member of the United States of America, representing the people in her district. And then she turns around and she just badmouths everything in this country. Right. She has a right to do it. This is America. I'm not taking that right away from her. But isn't but she you coming have, from a place where, I mean, you're, you're telling me in the pre-show meeting that Somalia is way it's worse. It's a tragic it, place. It's, it's tough to be there right now. Right. Right. Somalia is a tough, tough, tough place to be. Very tough. And, you know, war-ravaged problems that you can't even imagine. And I don't even want to think of, like, the struggle that she went through, too, right? I'm not taking that away from her. I'm not going to take that away from Ilhan Omar at all. But what I don't get is what, what has happened here, what we've seen happen in Minneapolis and Minnesota after the horrific, horrific tragedy of George Floyd, this anger. Instead of bringing people together, though, and look, overall, most Americans, I would say, I would hope, I would hope that the majority of Americans, almost all Americans, I would hope every American, would be against what happened to George Floyd. That horrific death, we should have never seen that. We should have never seen that. Our eyes should have never seen that on video. That poor man lost his life. He was murdered, right? This this police officer is gonna be charged. He's gonna be charged, whether it's third degree, whether it's second, he's gonna be charged. But we have Ilhan Omar and others like her who are feeding the fury, feeding the fury in Seattle, feeding the fury in Minneapolis, feeding the fury in LA, feeding the fury in uh, New York. You know, we're the only nation on earth like this. It is the reason why Ilhan Omar's family immigrated to here, right? Her family didn't go to Germany. Her family didn't immigrate to Venezuela. Her family didn't immigrate to Brazil. Her family immigrated here to the United States of America. And instead of saying, thank you, God, for the opportunities that I have here as a Muslim woman, because I spent a good portion of my life, not in my childhood, as well as my career, in nations where women did not have any rights. They can't run for anything. Try Saudi Arabia. Try Afghanistan where you're a woman, and they basically could do whatever they want. I've seen women set themselves, well, I haven't seen it, but I've been to clinics where women have self-emulated, set themselves on fire just so that a man won't touch them anymore because they have no rights. In Afghanistan, some young girls are taken out in honor killings because they look at a man that they're not supposed to marry, right? No rights, nobody to call, no police officer. And now she wants to defund uh, the police in Minneapolis. I'm going to tell you this, folks. You got to listen to Lacey Johnson. He's given, he, you know, he's, he's running for office. Uh, it's going to be an uphill fight for him, and he's ready to take it. He's a man of faith. He believes in his community. He is an African-American entrepreneur. He has built businesses. He is educated. He believes in his community. He believes in the people in his community. And he knows that America is a great nation. It isn't perfect, but it's a nation where people together can do amazing things. 
where as long as we're not tearing each other apart, and don't allow people to tear us apart as a nation. You know, it's like a family. If you talk bad about your family in the street, it's very easy to destroy a family that way. Families that stick together and defend each other, just like nations, are stronger. And I think it's important that you listen to Lacey Johnson because his lesson goes far beyond Minnesota or Minneapolis or what's happened there. It's a lesson for all of us as a nation, and I'm really proud to have him on this show. So happy to have Mr. Lacey Johnson on the show. Uh, thank you for joining us today. It's, I mean, your race is huge. Everyone's looking at Minnesota now, Lacey, uh, against Ilhan Omar. Can you fill us in on what you've been up to since you were last on the Sarah Carter show? Uh, yes, uh, you probably know that uh, we've raised over $1.2 million. I think we're up to about 160,000 Twitter follows, over 20,000 Facebook likes. So we got a lot of good social media. We've had three articles in the local papers, uh, and they're pretty liberal papers, the Star Tribune. The first one had a few uh, misconceptions uh, in it, but uh, we got that straightened out. And I think the last two, they were fairly uh, uh, even-handed with me, as much as even liberal media can get even-handed with a Republican. And so we got that traction. I've been talking to media all over the country. Uh, so we're doing well there. I won the... Uh, Minnesota GOP endorsement with 90% of the votes. And then I got the personal endorsement of President Trump. So we got some momentum going. We got great volunteers, uh, messages getting out. And so I feel pretty good uh, about where we're at. I think we're positioned to make a strong run at this thing. And as we talked before, uh, it's like climbing uh, a political Mount Everest, but I watched a documentary on the Mount Everest, as a matter of fact, last night. But we can do this, and I feel like, Mr. Hillary, we're going to get this thing done, Sarah. Well, it's not impossible, right? That's what you're no. trying to say. When you think of Mount Everest, I mean, it does feel that way. I mean, you've been through so much. Your state has been through so much. I want to play a clip really quickly here um, mm -hmm. before we get started in our interview. And this is Ilhan Omar, and she is talking about dismantling the MPD, the Minneapolis Police Department. Here you go. Just to be clear, though, you're not saying that there's nothing that takes its place. You're not saying Absolutely that if a woman is Absolutely not. I think that's really raped, where there's... the conversation okay. is going wrong because no one is saying that the community is not going to be kept safe. No one is saying crimes will not be investigated. No one is saying that we are not going to have proper response when community members are in danger. What we are saying is the current infrastructure that exists as policing in our city um, should not exist anymore. And we can't go about creating a different process with the same infrastructure in place. And so dismantling it and then looking at what funding priorities should look like as we um, uh, reimagine a new way forward uh, is what needs to happen. First, I'd like you to respond to uh, Congresswoman Ilhan Omar's call to basically dismantle the entire Minneapolis Police Department and then rebuild it, which is just ludicrous. And second, I want you to talk a little bit about your you're a longtime resident. I mean, this is your community. You have toured the area, the destruction, what happened since the tragic death of George Floyd. And I want to get a personal take from you, Lacey, on on what's going through your mind, through your heart, uh, as you're dealing with this? 
Okay, well, in response to what she just said, uh, it's the typical and unfortunately expected uh, reckless and irresponsible leadership that we've come to expect from her. Uh, you can tell it's not very well thought out. And it's so badly thought out that even other leftists, somewhat more responsible uh, politicians, whether it's the mayor or the governor, or even Bernie Sanders, I mean, he's not going for that. So it, it lets you know how reckless and thoughtful, uh, uh, thoughtless it is. Uh, she's ready to drive us off into the ditch when it comes to law enforcement. Uh, it's not respectful of the fact that 99% of our law enforcement officers are just good, hardworking, dedicated people out there doing a very dangerous job every day mm -hmm. and who will have families and things of their own. Uh, it's not respectful of the fact that it's a, it's a threat to our public safety, especially in some of the areas that I know. It's not respectful of the fact that we have tour, uh, very good tourism uh, uh, industry here in Minneapolis that's going to uh, uh, probably uh, scare off a lot of tourists. And so it's just bad all the way around. And what I've been telling people, given the way that she looks at things and the rest of our far-left city council look at, look at things, we're probably one video away from of a highway accident from them proposing to outlaw cars. And so those are the type of people that we're dealing with. They need to go. They need to get out of the leadership of our city. And so that's what I think about what she's saying right now. Uh, oh, go ahead. Sarah. No, yeah, no, I was going to say, you know, Minneapolis, I mean, the, the people have suffered so much. Uh, there's been so much destruction to businesses. What we've seen happen across the board is really tough. You're an entrepreneur. You are a business owner. When you look at what's happened to your community, what goes through your mind? Uh, how quickly things have gone downhill and how irresponsible our leadership has been to let this happen. Uh, if you think about it, uh, we could have protected our businesses from day one. Uh, if you think about it, uh, for our mayor to let, let it be okay for people to destroy a police precinct station. I mean, what kind of message are you sending? Uh, to yeah, and I want to remind everyone who's listening out there, this was Minneapolis Police Department's third precinct, and it was burned to the ground. Yes, Just literally yes. burned to the ground, and nobody could do anything about it because basically the police were told to stand down, right? Right, right. And right. so it's a typical that you see across the country, and I've been uh, touring the businesses, talking to business owners. I found business owners whose life savings and decades of hard work have, have been wiped out. Uh, some of them do not know whether or not insurance is going to cover it. I ran into a business owner, and because of the culture he's from, he had stored his life savings in a safe in his business, and they came in and stole the safe. Uh, we know that there were people accompanying some of these uh, protesters and turning them into rioters with gear to open up cash machines and break down doors. And then when you drive around, just knowing the impact that it's having to, uh, to the community uh, at first, and it's, it's slowly getting back uh, to normal, but at first, uh, grocery stores was closed, gas stations were closed, banks was closed, drug stores closed, everything was closed. And I was fortunate enough, I have a car to get around. Uh, there's a lot of poor people in this district who relied on public transportation, and they didn't have it. So I was just curious about how, how are they going to feed their family and things like that. So it has had a significant impact on the communities all the way around. 
And the, the shameful part about it, we still haven't quite gotten back to even ground. So uh, as far as the business people are concerned, uh, they've lost a lot. And we're still trying to struggle to rebuild and help them uh, get out of the hole that uh, this whole situation has put them in. Well, and this is what's so insane about everything that we're seeing happening right now, because, Lacey, we've been through so much this country already. And then the lockdown with COVID, uh, we went through a period where President Trump's economic revival of minority communities was awesome. We saw that both in uh, the black communities as well as the Hispanic communities. So we saw the economy really take a turn for a lot of the communities that had people had not paid attention to in a long time, bringing back the manufacturing jobs to the United States, rebuilding small businesses here, giving to minorities as well as women. We saw a lot of changes in America that were positive and on the right track until we see what happened with COVID. Then we have COVID, we have a massive lockdown, over 40 million people applying for unemployment. And then of course it's exacerbated by what we saw happen to George Floyd on video. And, and it was almost as if it was hijacked, right? Hijacked yes. by groups that created even more division among us. I want to ask you, you know, you, you're a businessman. This is your community. You understand Minnesota. You understand people from Minneapolis. But also looking across the board at the United States, at what's happened to us here in this country, and these growing seemingly racial divisions that the news is pushing out there consistently, how damaging is this to our country? Where do you think we are at as far as race relations? And can we do anything to mend some of these um some of the problems that we have and some of the problems that are growing right now because of what's happened, not only with George Floyd, but we saw what happened in Florida. I mean, can we find a way to mend this? Yes, we can. Uh, I mean, we're America. I mean, we went through the Civil War and it tore us apart and we, we put it back together. So we have to keep faith. Uh, but you hit on probably the biggest uh, hurdle we have to overcome, and it's the uh, media uh, often being dishonest and deceitful that's fanning some of these divisions. So that's probably going to be the toughest part. But I do believe that there are people out there like me who are in this, in this thing for all the right reasons, who are trying to bridge the gap between the different components in the community, and we're trying to do it at the grassroots level because, let's face it, once you get into the high levels of politics, uh, sowing, divi sowing division is part of the game plan. Uh, dealing with uh, group identity and putting one group against another is part of the game plan. And so that's why you need people like, out here like me, whose main issue is to make people's lives better, no matter what group you're in, that we're out for the good of this country, we're out for the good of my district, we're out for the good of the state. So we can do it, but it's a lot of hard work. Once again, it's, it's, it's going to be a tough task. But I have confidence right. and faith in the American people if we give the grassroots enough uh, information for them to make good decisions, that they will be able to do that and we will be able to achieve this. But it's going to be tough. It is going to be tough, Lacey, because when you think about it, on uh, we see what's happening in Seattle with this Capitol Hill autonomous zone, you know, and young people right. and so many young uh, that have been taught in the university systems and in the school systems that the root of all evil, the root of all the problems is the United States of America. Let's just be honest. I mean, we could see uh, the, the young generation, you know, in Seattle 
uh, angry even over the flying of an American flag. Um, and we played a clip of that in the beginning of, of this podcast. And I'm going to remind everybody, you know, angry that the flag is even being flown, saying that it doesn't represent black America. I, you know, tell me, as, as, as an entrepreneur, a successful, uh, and I don't know if you, if you like, I don't even like to refer to people. I'm a mixture of everything, you know, but black or American or African-American man in this country, how do you see this nation in your eyes and the flag? Because I tried to explain to Laura on her show, on Laura Ingram's show the other night. I said, look, my husband, when he went to war, every, we were all Americans. They were all Americans. It didn't matter if you were black, white, Catholic, Irish, Italian, Chinese. It didn't matter where your family came from. You were you are Americans. You fight together. You fight against a common enemy for your country. And, and you don't have a division or color there. You fight for each other. Right. What what happened here, and how do you see, if you were to teach, I guess, the, the young people in Minneapolis, if you were to talk to them about this, how would you talk to them? How would you? What would you tell well, them? Well, first of all, I would start with my own background. Well, I'm from a humble beginnings. Uh, I'm from a, a African-American environment where we were, did not have much money, uh, but through hard work, discipline, faith, and those type of things, I think everybody, most of the people that I grew up with, we've gone on to uh, college and we've raised families. We've acquired a certain amount of net worth. And I, I guess what it really boils down to is that to show them uh, from experience that this is the best country in the world for people with dreams and hopes and, and want opportunities. So, and I can tell personal stories behind that. Uh, I have uh, every one of my uh, family members, brothers have served in the military uh, they are proud of their military service, and they fought for all the right things, and personal freedom, personal liberty, uh, the ability to succeed or uh, fail on your own effort, uh, the opportunities that this country offer. And my dad, uh, he had a flag. So, so those are the type of things I would explain to people. See, part of the issue right now, which didn't happen when I was growing up, they hear so many messages of how bad the history is, how racism can stop you, how all kinds of things can stop you. They hear messages about them being victims. And so I'm mm -hmm. here to change all of those messages, to get change their mindset about being victims. That it all depends upon their own effort. And once again, to, to stress the importance of faith in my life, one of the issues I have with the current uh, uh, protest that's going on, you ever hardly hear any mention of God, faith, or anything. And right. they're burning, looting, and killing, and stuff like that. So that's contrary to everything I know that leads to a successful and fruitful life and a productive life. And once again, I put a focus on your family. When you're putting a focus on your family, you're not, it's not on yourself. To understand it's not about your personal ideas and beliefs. And once again, just your habits and, and stress habits and bad uh, that bad habits leads to bad things and just stress good habits. And it's all according to you that you live in a country where you will succeed or fail based upon your choices in life and not based upon the history of this country or anything else anybody's trying right. to do to stop you. So that's and where we've come and where we've yeah. come throughout history yes. from, from our past to where we are now. And I think what really is so bothersome about Congresswoman Ilhan Omar is that she she came as a refugee to this country, opened its arms to her and her family like this nation has done uh, for many generations to all people that have traveled the world looking for a better place, looking for a better life. But she is so angry 
at this nation. And it comes out every time she talks. She's angry about America. She is a vi- she she talks about the victimization of minorities consistently. Um, and it's okay. It's okay to recognize the past. It's okay to understand that it has not been perfect. It's okay to recognize that, but to also to move ahead to notice the good things, which she never does. I never hear that come out of her mouth. And I that playing on that victimization card and and taking away people's dignity and right to say you could be anything you want to be. You have the right to do it. You can do it. I believe in you. You know, playing this victim card with people all the time really takes away people's dignity and rights to do what we know we can do on our own. And she doesn't do that. I, I, I agree with you. Well, it, it's kind of a scam in a way. But once again, when your motivation is your own celebrity uh, uh, status, when your motivation is your own personal views and the way of the world, when your motivations are selfish, then you do talk down to people as she does. You do get people to think that they are victims. You do uh, pretend like you pity certain people. And you do not see the great power within the community and, and the talents and things like that and the hard work and discipline within the community. So she, it's all about her. It's not about the people. And so, you know, the Democratic Party, uh, they rely on people thinking they're victims and that there's nothing they can do about it except turn to the Democratic Party. So she's playing that script. But once again, I'm playing a different script. And I'm, I'm challenging people. See, my whole thing is, if you're healthy and you're capable of working, we're going to expect for you to work to get what you want out in life. And I'm fairly comfortable. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your situation is in life. Here in this country, I can show you how to achieve any goal that you want in life. And that, in fact, one of the reasons I'm out here running as a Republican with those philosophies, because I want to show people that those are the kind of philosophy and approaches and methods that really leads to success in life. And this thinking that you're a victim and, and, and America is horrible and things like that would never lead to what you want out of life. And one last thing, I'm also trying to encourage every young person that I see to watch the documentary on the Civil War, because I really don't think you can understand the country today unless you understand the Revolutionary War and the Civil War. And they've been using that also uh, to turn people against this country. But once you see what we went through and the sacrifice that we made, that 600,000 people died uh, for us to, uh, uh, to, to free the slave. I, I, I lived through the civil rights, uh, 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 civil rights movement, and I know what we did there and how we relied on God, how we were peaceful demonstrations. Yeah, I was going to say that. That's the difference, yeah. right? Yeah. When I think yes. back and I talk to people who participated in the civil rights movement, they talked about God. They talked yes. about protesting, peaceful protesting, and, and not engaging those that were violent and cruel and prejudiced and not stooping down to their level of that. And it changed everything. It changed everything, the way that America saw itself, right? I, I mean, agree. And, that's, and that's not what we're seeing now. It's a, it's a visceral hate. It's um, not all, not all, because right. I'm not going to lump everybody into the same, you know, category. But, but, but in enraging people into violence and pushing against a system because there's no place else in the world like this. So I, I don't know what kind of system they want to change it into, 
you know, and I it's it seems like anarchy to me. That's exactly the word that, that came to my mind, Sarah. Just about really, that. yeah. And here's the thing. I was listening to an elderly civil rights leader from the 60s, and he said that that same type of group tried to hijack the civil rights movement uh, in their days. What, what we're lacking nowadays, because we got a lot of young people out there, and I don't care how smart you are, I don't care how high your IQ is, there's a certain wisdom that comes with age that's not out there leading us right now. And I'd like to see maybe the black churches and the Jewish uh, temples and things step up like they did in the civil rights movement and take back this movement from the anarchists, take back this movement from the people that have hijacked them for their own personal causes and for other uh, less, well, should I say other more seated causes, they've hijacked this movement. And I think that's going to eventually happen, uh, once again, because I have faith in the American people to eventually get it and to eventually right. get it right. But it's going to be very difficult. But once again, that's why people like me are out here fighting along with Trump, President Trump to try to bring those types. And of President Trump has backed you. I mean, he's come out in full force for 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 Congressman Lacey Johnson. That's what he's been saying. I mean, how does that feel? Well, I, I was telling someone anytime you have a good cause and a purpose in mind and the president of the United States can back you or, or come out and back you to help you towards that cause and purposes. It's a blessing, and we're going to use that, and we're going to use his capabilities, his strength, the things that he's able to do uh, uh, for this community, and we're going to take that, and we're going to move forward, rebuild this community. Once we rebuild it, we're going to start putting some things in place to bring economic growth. We're going to put some things in place to improve the improve the quality of the education. We're going to put some things in place to improve families and make them stronger. And we're going to put some things in place to make people realize, and even though as a politician, I, I have to be careful about that, but to realize the importance of faith in, in doing what we're doing and the role that faith has traditionally played in the civil rights movement, that it has traditionally played, uh, historically played in the fight for justice and re, just re-educate the community and get them reacquainted with the history of, uh, of the civil rights movement, the history of the Republican Party, and I guess more importantly, the history of this country, which is an ideal that we're always working towards. We'll never be perfect, but uh, get them to understand all the great things and achievements that we've made to bring opportunity, peace, and justice for all Americans, and that it's a struggle and a fight, and it depends on them being, knowing what's going on and knowing our history and really having an appreciation for this country. Wow, it's amazing. I mean, I hear the the perseverance in your voice. Uh, you you really hit it on the head. Uh, I believe that education and family and spirituality are so essential. It gives us something to turn to, you know? And when you educate a community and when the economy is booming, people feel better about themselves when they're working, when they're in charge of their own lives, when they can make their own decisions, when it's not a handout. And I don't owe anybody anything. I only owe myself and my family and then my community and then I'm free, yes. right? Yes. And then I'm free. What would you say to President Trump if you could talk to him right now? I mean, it's tough for him right now. He's yes. he's really in a situation. I, I don't think this nation, uh, this is just so unexpected, what, what has happened here. Um, and it's really shaken this country to the core, to its spirit. Uh, what would be the advice that you would give this president? Is there anything he should be doing differently? Is there anything he can do to reach out? Well, first of all, understand uh, the forces that we're up against. 
and the, the difficulty it is to overcome them, which leads once again, first and foremost, to establishing a spiritual or faithful foundation to what we're doing. That's what's going to uh, give us the tenacity to keep going on through the storm, to put up all, all the criticism, to put up with all the lies and deceits. The second thing is, is that to uh, ultimately what we want to do and what President Trump want to do is make people's lives better, uh, to provide right. a better economic uh, situation for them so they can uh, 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 pay, the, for the, they can, uh, pay their mortgages and their rent, they can put food on the table with some type of comfort. And every once in a while, if they want to take the family out to dinner, they can do that. When they uh, got quality education, where when their children graduate from the 12th grade, they're reading at the 12th grade level, and they got math at the 12th grade level, and they have aspiration to go on to college. And then to build businesses and wealth in these co communities to create generational wealth. So every year we're not going out trying to get government grants and things like that for this community. And finally, the community needs to look at itself. And that's the message that I feel comfortable with. President Trump can say that you have to take some responsibility and accountability right. for your own life. And so those are the type of Republican type of philosophies. I think that if he hammers that on, I think we'll do well. But the bottom line is to let people know that whatever you want to do in this country, we are here to help you do it. And we know you can do it and we can show you how to do it because one of the problems I have with a lot of people talking about solutions in this area, a lot of these people themselves are successful, but you very seldom and in fact never hear them say, this is how I did it. And if you do these things, right. you can do it too. But they are, what they're preaching is a constant generational after generation, you stay in the same position. They don't envision the people in this community as having money one day, being able to own homes one day. They always look at them as victims. They preach victimhood to them. And once again, that's the way they keep that, them voting Democrat. And I'm here to just break all that up, Sarah. I, I am so excited about that because I really believe and believe in that. And I really believe that that is the future of our country, that we are not going to play into this victim card anymore. And by the way, I, I believe that's what sets everyone free, right? No matter where you're from, is taking control of your life, but being given those tools. That's why I say to both the Republicans and the Democrats, don't just engage in your community on election year. Engage all the time. And for those of you out there who are voting, look at the leadership. Look at Lacey Johnson. Look at what he's done with his life. Look at what he's given to his community and how he's built up his career from the ground up. And then really look at him and realize this is a man that wants to give back. This isn't a man who is just out for himself. This is, a, this is someone who wants to give back. And I think the people of Minneapolis and Minnesota, they realize this. They can see that in you, Lacey. And uh, I look forward to having you back on the show again. Uh, it's just, it's so uplifting to talk to you. You make me have faith in humanity and in everything that's happening right now. So I, it's okay. just incredible what you've done. And Sarah, you know it's tough out here for me as a Republican running in one of the bluest districts in the country. But, you know, every once in a while, just about all day, every day, I should say, I come across someone like you and who becomes like the wind under my wings and helps me go on. Go on. And I live in this district and I'm constantly reminded of why I'm out here doing what I'm doing, what enables me to put up with all the criticism and the name calling and things like that. And I know in my heart I'm doing this for all the right reasons. And I know in my heart 
that God has given me the courage and the strength and everything to put up with this and to keep fighting on. And also, finally, I got young people who believe in me. You'll be incredible. I got a lot of incredible young people of all diversity who just believe in me because ultimately what we need to do is not going to get accomplished in my lifetime. And I just want some people behind that I can leave a legacy to that motivates them to get out there and fight for the same type of things I'm fighting for. Oh, amen. I, I, I totally understand that, Lacey. And I think that's an that's the most noble cause of all, because we, we realize that we're not going to be around forever, but we've got to leave that legacy of hope behind so yes. that the younger generation can change things for the better, you know, for the better and not be hijacked by those people that literally that literally do not understand really the essential root of our spirit and what freedom really means. So thank you so much for being on the Sarah Carter show. I was, it's, it's so great talking with you and I hope you come back on again soon. I will Sarah. And it's great talking to you always. That was it folks. That was Lacey Johnson and he is running for the fifth congressional district in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And he is going to be a contender, I tell you. Uh, Representative Ilhan Omar has, uh, has, has to do her work, right? I mean, and for the people of Minneapolis, I mean, you've been through so much. It's great to hear a refreshing voice, somebody who really believes in the community, somebody who wants to bring jobs and the economy back. I don't know. What do you guys think, uh, Adam, Jenny? What do you think of uh, Mr. Lacey Johnson? Well, I, I mean, anybody who can lend... A different perspective um, to 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 what's being shoved through the mainstream media right now is somebody that I just really love listening to. So I'm not right. saying I don't listen to the news. I try to hear it all, but it's hard to find people like Lacey, like Mr. Johnson, who's willing to put that voice out there and say the things he's saying. I, I thought it was a great interview. Yeah, I think he's a great man, uh, Jenny. Yeah, I think he's really great, and I think you know he. Um, he speaks, you know, like very respectfully of his opponent um, and, you know, criticizes her on substantive things. And, you know, for me, I'm like, oh, my gosh, she is just like a an outspoken anti-Semite. And the way that he goes after her is like, I'm a man of faith. I'm about, you know, getting people to work. I'm about, you know, giving people like the American dream, basically. And I think his strategy is so well thought out and so positive. Right. And I think that's good, Jenny, that you did bring that up. I mean, there were so many issues with Ilhan Omar and I wanted to give, you know, Lacey Johnson an opportunity to talk. And we have so many issues now with the, you know, with the rioting and the protesting in our streets over the death of George Floyd. Uh, and I think that you brought up a really good point there that Ilhan Omar's anti-Semitic statements and you know, holding her to account too on those, not just what we're seeing. I mean, it's very frustrating when we have people in leadership that are more divisive than they are unifiers, that they that they work on just breaking our nation apart and pitting us one against the other. And I think Americans are getting really tired of that. We're exhausted of it. We need to move forward. We need to move together. Can I ask you a question about that? Yeah. Do, do, yeah, do, do you feel like... Do you feel guilty? Like, do I feel like I almost am starting to feel guilty for being white. Like, oh, you mean because everybody's like out there saying you have to feel bad? Yeah, like I, I just feel like privilege. I feel like it's being like like almost programmed into me that like I'm the problem. 
No, but, yeah, of course, because that's what they want. You know, people that are trying to divide, that's what they want. Look, I always say, you know, and I've and I've talked to friends of mine. I, I have a lot of a lot of friends who are, you know, say we should feel bad. You know, women are the most victimized, uh, you know, uh, sex in the world. Right. We've been victimized since the beginning of time, but we're not victims. We are all survivors. You know, and I think about my mom, I think about, you know, her coming from Cuba. And I remember there were times where I would, you know, go shopping with her, go to a store. She's very dark skinned, you know, and she had an accent. And I would see certain people treat her differently than they would me if I was by myself or how they treated her. But look, I don't feel guilty. I don't expect anyone else to feel bad about bad people. There is nothing that you did, Adam, I don't think, and I know you pretty well, and you treat people with respect and dignity that you should feel bad about. What we need to, what we need to do is move forward. We are acting like we are acting the, like the worst of humanity with this. From what we saw happening with George Floyd, that police officer, and what he did to that poor man, and how he died, to the way we're ripping each other apart, in our country, tearing each other down. We should be ashamed because that's what our children are seeing. That's why when I was on Laura's show, I, I said, you know, my daughter was wondering why we were fighting each other. She said, didn't daddy fight the bad guys overseas? What's, why are there so many bad guys here? Why are we fighting each other? We're not bad people. We're just confused and lost and we need some good leadership right now. And we need to move forward. And we need to be kind to one another. We need to take a break. We need to back it off. Just like when you're in a fight with someone that you love and you need to take a deep breath. You need to take a deep breath, walk away from it, and come back to a place where you can talk. We can't just run into the streets, tearing down statues, screaming, burning businesses down in communities that are impoverished communities, by the way where people need to be able to get to their local grocery store because they may not have a car to drive to one in another city, right? We have to think about each other. And don't let people play you. Don't let anyone play you out there. These, these politicians and these people, they're all about themselves. I know Adam wanted to say something really quick about COVID, and I I, I I want you to say it before I let you before I let you go. Well, I appreciate. So what was it? You know, it was actually just tying into what we we're just saying. It's the same guilt that I'm feeling weird, and I'm trying to describe how I'm feeling not only with um, what's happening in this country right now uh, with all of us, but also with COVID and everything. It's almost it's like. When I was thinking about all of the people outside in the in with in the congregations and everything, and I just shut down my business for four months, I feel so bad for feeling this way. But it's almost like when you're driving in traffic forever, but then like you get to where you know the traffic ends, and you're looking for a bad accident. Like this better be bad because I just sat in traffic for a whole like thirty extra minutes, but you don't feel good about being upset that there was no wreck when there's no wreck. You know, I drive by, there's no wreck, and you're like, well, then what the hell? It's like this weird feeling <laughs> of, like, I, I want there to be a wreck. There isn't one, but now I feel guilty because there shouldn't be one. It's like, I don't know how to feel I'm right that's now. That's the confusion, right? right? And that's the confusion. And I think that, 
you know, Lacey Johnson brought that up, too. He felt like, you know, it was upside down world, like Alice in Wonderland almost when he was talking to me. You know, it was like it's like what's going on here? It's like what is going on here? And I think for all of us, we're all just trying to put the pieces together. And just when we think one issue is ended and things are going to get back to normal, something else rises up out of the waters. So 2020 has been really a volatile year. It'll be interesting to see what happens in the next months coming up. I, I hope it's just calm waters. America, I love you. I'm so happy you were with me today. Uh, let's all just get through this one day at a time, one step at a time. Deep breaths. We don't need to tear each other apart. We need to build each other up. We are one nation. We are one nation under God. Thank you so much for being with me today. This is the Sarah Carter Show. You can follow me on Twitter at Sarah Carter DC or read my stories at SarahACarter.com and Jenny Tear. Her stories are there too. Thank you so much. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at MIDI Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.